Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This morning, we're going to talk about the first annual co-op holiday list that Everything Co-op has put together. And we have several people on. The first person that we're going to talk to is Christina Jennings. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Vernon. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. And in this annual holiday list, we've broken it down into five segments. It's products and services that are produced by and for the cooperative brand, for the cooperative community. And it's uh, products and services that relate to the mind, the body, the soul, the heart, and community. And we have three products in each one of those categories. And Christina is with Shared Capital, and they have gift investments in cooperatives. And so we have them under community. So it's one of the gifts you could go in and create a gift that you could uh, do. You can do it for yourself or you can create a gift for somebody else in your family. Uh, Christina, tell us what is Shared Capital and what do you do? Yeah, so Shared Capital Cooperative is a loan fund that works exclusively with cooperatively owned businesses and, and cooperative affordable housing. So we provide loans and technical assistance and, and other support to uh, those co-ops to help them, uh, whether they're starting up or growing or maybe encountering some challenges out there, we, we provide assistance to help them uh, be successful. So you're the money person. We're the money. We're the non-bank bank. <laughs> you're the non-bank bank. So how does somebody, if they want to start a co-op or if they want to do renovation to a, an affordable housing or a worker co-op, they want to buy some equipment, how, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can go straight to our website. And um, on our website, there are options to um, learn more about borrowing, joining or investing, and they can choose the borrow uh, tab. And on there, they can actually schedule a, a meeting with one of our loan officers to just talk through the idea, just to uh, share what they're trying to do. Uh, they don't have to have it all figured out when they call. Uh, so they can schedule a time, get on the phone with the loan officer and, and talk through. So even if they don't know how much they need to borrow uh, or exactly whether they should borrow, they can still uh, have that call. So I'm thinking about borrowing $200,000. Should I just make an appointment and then talk to Alona? Yeah, you can make an appointment and, um, and it's right on the, um, just to schedule a time and you can uh, talk to them and they'll be happy to talk to you about what, you know, what you're looking for. So can do is it possible that you could tell us some of the, the names of the people you've made loans to? And if not the names, then perhaps describe the types of businesses yeah. you've made loans to. Well, we ask our borrowers to give us permission to share their, their great stories when we make them the loan, and, and they, uh, they almost always agree. So, yeah, happy to share some examples. 
I mean, there are some fun ones that we've done uh, in, in this year. Um, we have worked with um, a group called Ignite Business Women's Investment Group. And it's a group of African immigrant women in um, the suburbs of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And they just bought a, a shopping center to locate their businesses in. And they'll also lease out some extra spaces to some other area businesses. Um, so they're taking over a shopping center that needed needed some TLC and they are um, turning it into a thriving business center for their, um, for the group of women's businesses. So they'll own that real estate together and be sure they can have a place for the long haul. So this is a group of immigrant African women that's come together to create a co-op and they bought a shopping center? Yeah, they bought a business <laughs> service strip mall because one of the challenges is finding good locations for their businesses. So this will allow them to own their own spaces together um, and uh, make sure they've got spaces for their businesses for the, for the long term. Do you have any sense of why they created the co-op as opposed to maybe individually buying the shopping center? Yeah, I think there are two factors. I mean, one that working collectively really allowed them to create a, a center full of thriving businesses rather than one of them being located across town here and the other over there. They, they're able to create a real center of thriving businesses, but they're also able to uh, and support each other. And frankly, you know, real estate's expensive. And so being able to put financially come together and they have the support of a great local nonprofit organization that's helped them navigate that also. Um, and we've worked together with both, both groups. So yeah, I think the cooperative really gave them a chance to do something together. They couldn't have done alone. Okay. So you can go to shared capital dot COOP. Right. And you can hit the button borrow to, if you need to borrow some money to start a business or, to buy a shopping mall. That's it's <laughs> exciting uh, for immigrants that come in, African women immigrants that come in with all of the barriers of being an immigrant, being African, and being a woman, all of the barriers in the world to be able to come in and borrow money. Do you have a sense of how much, how much did you all loan and how much was the total package? Yeah, our loan is our loan, and we and we work together. Uh, we've had to pull together a bunch of different groups to make this happen because it's expensive. And and don't quote me on this. But I think about four million dollars altogether. And so there was a, a local CDFI bank that was part of that. We had asked Rochdale Capital to come in, and they joined that deal. And then the women were able to get a grant from the state. And so that helped really bring down the cost and make it much more re, you know, affordable over time to have to own that. But they got a nice um, support from the state of Minnesota. So excited about that. So got a grant from the state. They got Rochdale, which is CDFI, a local yeah. CDFI. They got shared capital. Can you tell me how much you all put in the $4 million? Yeah, about $1.2 million. $1.2 Okay. A little bit more than. That's our maximum. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, that sounds like bunches of fun to help people do that. Yeah, and they're yeah, amazing group of women. They're really um, leading the project, and we get to um, try to figure out how to make the capital move to support them, and that's that's really the role we we get to play. It's a great group. So you said a couple fun ones. That's one. What's another? Yeah, one? I got a completely different type of project a group called Maximum Fun that does podcasts. And they're a 
a pretty well-known podcast company, and they sold to their employees this past year, and we got to finance the purchase of that oh, business. Let, um, me, let me get the name again. Are you saying Maximum F-U-N? Maximum. Fun? Maximum Fun. Oh, I want to play. F-U-N. <laughs> F-U-N. Okay. I told you there were fun ones. Okay. <laughs> Maximum Fun F-U-N. Yeah, they're out in California, and the founder wanted to sell to their employees, and so we provided a loan to help make that project uh, together with a whole lot of partners as all of these projects take. Okay. So the employees bought their business. So this is a worker co-op. It is a worker co-op, yeah. Okay. The employees bought the business from the owner. Uh, and there's a lot of businesses out there. There's, They call it the Silver Tsunami yeah. of baby boomers. I think they said 75% of businesses in the U.S. are owned by folks over 65 and too often they don't have a succession plan but selling to their employees is one really really great idea and you can play a part in that that's that's that sounds like bunches of fun do they have to pay you to work or do you just (laughs) just, (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could do it for free (laughs) (laughs) okay so we've got a a strip mall that a group of african ladies bought and you've got employees that bought out the owner and he wanted to sell to the employees which makes it very very interesting and neat okay and they bought it out as a co-op correct yes as a co-op okay because too often they're going for esops and there's pluses and minus for both but the esop seem to cost more than a co-op yeah this is a cooperative and they 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 really wanted to to use that form and um, saw it as a way to make sure that those, that all of the folks who've been making this um, company successful would actually have um, an ownership stake um, for the long-term success. So it's, it's exciting. And, and so and that's the other thing is that uh, in the co-op, those employees own it. They own and control it. ESOP, they may not. So that that's another huge piece of it for me. Okay, so that's on the borrow side. Do you have any other examples that are fun like this? Or are you? I've got another really great one um, in Chicago. There's a group of formerly incarcerated women who had started a business several years ago, um, an institutional food service business, and their business is called Shy Fresh Kitchen. But we worked with them when they were starting out, and we were thrilled to continue to be supporting them. But then one of the things they found is that housing has continued to be a real challenge for their employees for the employees who are owners of the business because it is a worker co-op. Okay, can, so you, hold, can you hold one second? Oh, sure. Me, Christina? Yeah. So I know Shy Fresh because they've been yeah. on a couple of times. It's a fascinating business, and they were African-American women, right. formerly incarcerated, formerly had some difficulty with the injustice system, okay? And then they come and they start their own business, and they started it right at the beginning of COVID, or right during COVID because there seemed to have been a, a huge need. I, it's a fascinating story. So, okay, so you got to play with them. We did. We got to play with them, but and it's exciting we got to play with them again this year as they they founded a housing co-op because it turns out that housing needs are, I know I, I know we're all, we, we should all know this, that housing housing is incredibly challenging right now. Affordability, access, and if you have uh, if you have a uh, if you're formerly incarcerated, then getting access to um, housing can be very difficult. And so they actually created a housing co-op. 
and we were able to help them finance the purchase of that building so that they their employees can live in a place that is safe, secure, and where they won't be discriminated against for any number of reasons that they might experience. Being black, men and women, being formerly incarcerated, there's three big ones right there <laughs> that they could be discriminated against yes. um, in Chicago. So they started their own business, Shy Fresh. It seems to be going well, and they've needed housing, and so they created a co-op housing with your help. Um, Christina, more often than not, child care turns out to be an issue, and so I've heard of some groups starting a co-op child care, and that may, they may call you back. <laughs> okay, if that turns out great. To be an issue. All right. Uh, we're going to go into our first break. So you, we've talked about three different projects that you've had fun with and working with, a strip mall, a uh, podcast company, and Chai Fresh, which does food. And then they had a housing co-op. So they come and borrow money. So when we come back after the break, I would like to talk, I would like for you to tell us how you, somebody could invest in shared capital so therefore you can invest in these kinds of products to help people have a better quality of life we'll be right back this is wol news talk 1450 am and 95.9 fm 959 information is power that's WOL's motto, and they've been a great partner for the 10 years we've been on the air, Christina, because we are providing information just like you've just provided of how you can loan money to these businesses so they can be successful. But, you know, it's not the information where you get the power. I have found that information is stored up power. It's potential power. You have to get into action in order to get the power. So knowing about shared capital is potential power. People go to the webpage, sharecapital.coop, and get the information to borrow money or to invest money so that shared capital will have money to invest in other in other folks. Be, before I said I want to come back and talk about how you invest, but can you tell us in a minute or so how did you get involved in this work? Because there may be some other people who want to have fun doing what you do. Yeah, I, I didn't get involved in this because I, I, I never was a banker. And I didn't get involved because I had money myself to put into this. I got involved because I was involved in different community movements, student movements. And one of the things I saw was that we were always looking for the money and the resources to do what we needed to do. And I wanted to figure out how to move that money into that work, into the movement work work. And along the way, I connected with co-ops and then got passionate about the power that cooperatives have in this country and around the world. And so, yeah, let's figure out how we can move some money into the good work of cooperatives. That's That was what brought me into this, and it's been a lot of fun. So out of these three businesses, no, no I'm going to broaden it up more than that. Out of the businesses that you have loaned money how successful are these businesses or how often do they fail or do you lose money or? Yeah. I mean, we've seen that cooperatives are incredibly successful over um, even through challenging economic times because cooperatives are really, it's, you know, folks working together in ways that can really allow them to adapt and adjust and make um, and, and uh, find solutions and be creative and innovative. I came on at the start of the great recession, which was a 
fun time to come into uh, the world of, of, of uh, finance with co-ops. Uh, and we saw that co-ops did incredibly well. Um, that doesn't mean that some don't close. Some do close. Some decide that they're, uh, they want to do other things that, you know, they just can't make that business as successful as they want. But, um, very few of the businesses we work with actually close and very, and even fewer fail to pay their loans back. Uh, we build in cushions to make sure that, um, you know, investors don't get hurt if, if uh, they can't repay. But our default rate, the default rate of borrowers is about, is about 3%, three and a half percent over our 45 years of working. So we started working uh, in 19, making loans in 1979. And over those 45 years, yeah, only only about three and a half percent of all loans have ever failed to repay. Um, we think that's a really great, uh, really great rate. And, and we've never failed to repay an investor because we do build in cushions, like I said. So no investor has ever lost money? No investor has ever lost money. In 45 years is what you said, 40? Correct, yeah. And our investors are cooperatives, individuals, foundations, all sorts of folks who are putting money in to do good, and, and we, uh, they, no one has ever lost money. Christina, so, you said no investor has ever lost money in 45 <laughs> years. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. You said no investor. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, uh, I mean that's that's really the and that's the story that kind of gets hidden, right? I mean, we we do have one co-ops are enormously are enormously innovative and resilient, and two, the structure of the loan fund provides some reserves and other support to make sure that even that three and a half percent of all of our loans that have not been able to fully pay back, even with that happening, um, we still don't have to pass any of that loss along to the investors because we've gone out and raised grants and earned, you know and brought in other resources that can help take take any risk uh, of that those those three and a half percent losses and instead of passing that on to folks who, who are counting on getting their money back. I mean our our member cooperatives put money in, um, individuals and others who want to support this work put money in and they are counting on getting it back and we take that very seriously. So Shy Fresh or that shopping mall, they could invest in it they as can as they succeed, make yeah, and we've had, we've had co-ops that are borrowing and investing at the same time. Some who come and invest until they're ready to borrow. Others who invest and then borrow later, you know, borrow and then invest later. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, really creates a uh, really beautiful virtuous circle of of capital. Okay, so how can somebody invest in yeah. shared capital? Well, we're really excited that. Um, we are able to um, offer our investments through a direct public offering, which means that we can we can talk about it on your radio show. We can also put it out on our website and, and recruit investments um, from almost anyone. There are a couple of states where folks can't invest, but everybody else can. And we um, starting about when I mean, we try to keep that investment minimum really low, so so that almost anyone can um, invest. So our minimum investment to start out is five hundred dollars. So anyone who is able to bring $500 to an investment can invest with shared capital. And what they do, they have, they have a couple of options. They can lend it to us as a loan. We call those investment notes. Or they can make a purchase of preferred shares. And those are two different options, and I can certainly tell you more about them. There's more information on our website. But basically two different options for investing. So preferred shares are preferred stock? Yeah, preferred stock, exactly. That's correct. So that's one option. Because we're a co-op, uh, we can sell preferred stock. 
uh, and so folks can actually purchase that. And that's a great way to support making sure that we have the capital we need to get the dollar that we can we have the capital we need to get these loans made because those dollars go straight out the door into the hands of the co-ops in form of loans. So from history, it sounds like there's very little risk in an investor losing their money. Uh, of course, there are risks with investment. We have to say that there are. There can be. And, um, but, but, our, but our history and our track record and the kinds of projects that we're supporting, uh, we believe, really helps offset that risk in the end. Well, that's why I said very little risk because <laughs> and when you said in 07, 08, the Great Recession, what was also interesting because we had people on air, how in the co-op world, the employees, if it's a worker co-op, would decide to take a 10% cut in pay or 20% or 30% so they didn't have to fire anybody. Or places like Mondragon, they would – an employee in one business would go work in another business. So it's all kinds of, you said, innovative ways that people would find solutions in challenging times. And then when they're not challenging, then um, that, that creativity still works. So you, you have a better chance of success with people working together. And that's, that's a learned behavior, this thing of working together. Because there's going to be conflict when you get two or more people together. There's going to be conflict, different opinions. So getting people to work together and overcome those conflicts is critical, and that's what happens in co-ops, which means they have a better chance of being successful. Okay. And then with your shared capital, putting monies aside, in case there are defaults, you can help to make sure that the investor is protected. So I'm wanting to invest. Say that on air. You said a minimum is five hundred, so let's go for a thousand dollars. So I want to invest one thousand dollars. So I went to sharedcapital.coop. That's s h a r e d c a p i t a l dot c o o p, and I came to the main homepage. And it looks like you've got three ladies here that might be cleaning ladies. So it looks like it might be a worker co-op there. In the top right-hand corner, I hit invest as opposed to borrow or join. So when I hit invest, it says click to invest in shared capital. Click to donate. So if it's okay with you, I'd rather invest and get some return than donate if it's all right with you. Okay. So I click on to invest. So I thought... Okay, now it would tell me before it told me to sign up. So I've already signed up. So it comes up in the right-hand corner of Vernon Oaks. And now I get the shared capital share that a 5% return. That's your target return. You can't. I'm not guaranteed that it's 5% return, but it is our target return for the preferred shares. You're exactly for the preferred stock. You're exactly right. And then you have the notes. And that says 1% to 4% return. What makes the difference in the return for your notes, your loans, where people are yeah. loaning the investment money? notes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, the notes, um, they get to choose, you get to choose how long you want to invest. And so you invest for three years and get a 1% return. Invest for five years and get a 3% return. Or invest for 10 years and get a 4% return. Okay. Christina, we only have one minute left. What message would you like to leave people with? Yeah, I think one of the one, a great way to support co-ops is by making sure that they have access to the capital. And, and we and, and uh, our 
you know, we welcome the opportunity to work with folks who'd like to put more dollars into the cooperative sector and sign up, make an investment, make an investment as a gift, um, and really appreciate you, Vernon, for naming us to your holiday list. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for what you do. Glad you get paid for it. It sounds like you wouldn't have to because you have so much fun. But thank you so very much, Christina. And I will make that investment and go through this paperwork and make it and see how it is. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, for Vernon. Really appreciate it. Everybody else out there, we would hope that you don't touch that dial. We have Michael Peck, Christina Clamp, and Kevin O'Brien on next. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. And in this segment, we have Chris Clamp, Michael Peck, and Kevin O'Brien. In our holiday list, they came in under the mind category. And uh, Chris Clamp and Michael Peck will talk about the book, Humanity at Work and Life. They've been on the show before, uh, but it's a great way of expanding the mind particularly as it relates to co-ops. And then Kevin is going to talk about work, W-O-R-X, printing co-op. And that's extremely exciting to me. I've just learned about it and all that they are doing. So, Chris, let's start with you. Tell, tell me what you all have been doing uh, with the book since you were on the show last. First, for, let me thank you and Pat for having us back on the show, and my congratulations to you on being inducted into the Cooperative Hall of Fame. That's a big deal, and we're so, so happy for you. It's awesome. Thank, thank you, Chris, and I want to thank <laughs> I am so honored to be on with you, so congratulations for you getting inducted into the Co-op Hall of Fame for 2024. Uh, it's it's wonderful, and if anybody out there would like to see who's being inducted, you can go to heroes h e r o e s dot c o o p, and you can get a printout of who's being inducted on October third, twenty twenty four. So That's yeah, correct. it's extremely exciting at the Hamilton Hotel in Washington D.C. So um, let me for anyone who's not familiar with our book Humanity at Work and Life, just say that you can access copies of the book through either successstore.com, our publisher's Oak Tree Press, or you can go for a paper copy through uh, Kevin O'Brien's Worker Cooperative Works, W-O-R-X, which is based out of Worcester, Massachusetts. And you, if you go to shop.worksprinting.coop, you can find products page on his site, and that will lead you to where you can get a paperback copy of the book. Okay, Chris, um, I need you to go though. That's shop dot w o r x x printing print dot co-op. Okay, thank you. To order a paperback. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Michael and I've had a lot of fun recently. In October, we were uh, invited to uh, hold an event at City University of New York's Law Clinic thanks to one of our contributors, Carmen Huerta Noble. And we were able to be joined by a delegation from Mondragon. Mondragon University's uh, just signed a cooperative agreement with the law clinic at CUNY, and they will be exchanging students and uh, involving some of the law students as well as students from Mondragon University 
in uh, shared learning experiences with the Mondragon University's Team Academy. Mondragon was also in town to look at the opportunity to develop a new um, furniture manufacturing operation at the old Brooklyn Navy Yard. And so lots going on, and we were just thrilled that our book could be part of that process. So they were looking at making a manufacturing operations at the Brooklyn Navy Yard? Yeah, you know, my grandfather worked there years ago, so um, I was really excited to hear about that. Yeah, that is exciting. Do you know what they would manufacture? Uh, Michael was at the with the delegation. I'll let him answer that question. Sure. Um, they're focusing on the uh, hospital healthcare marketplace in central Brooklyn. Uh, as a first uh, place to put the furniture. Okay. Okay. So what else have you been doing, Chris? Well, Michael and I have also been working on the Own the Metrics campaign. And if you're not familiar with this, this is related to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And um, there's a, a good discussion that Michael co-authored with a colleague of ours from the UN, Yichong Yi, uh, and that's available through Impact Alpha, and that link is impactalpha.com forward slash UN dash metrics dash measure dash enterprise dash impact dash on dash the dash 2030 dash sustainable dash development dash goals. Wow. Or you can just go to uh, sdpi.unrisd.org forward slash platform for the sustainable development performance indicators. This just rolled out last week. Michael and I had um, the chance to collaborate on a presentation in Seoul, Korea for an organization that I'm on the board, on the scientific commission of called CIDIA. And um, we will be, uh, we've been meeting monthly with members of the team on that campaign. It's an international team. So that's really exciting work. And it's really important as we look at climate change and the challenges that are facing us. What I'm most excited about with the rollout of the platform is it creates an opportunity not just for the large corporations, but for small to medium-sized enterprises and nonprofit organizations as well to, to do their part in addressing the issues of sustainability. Fantastic. So you guys are doing a lot when you talk about climate change and metrics and furniture manufacturing, or you're doing a lot now. What I did do, do while you were talking was I went into shop.worxprinting.coop and I don't see what's the next step if I wanted to buy the book. You said I could get the. Uh, um, if I could uh, chime in, uh, Vernon. Kevin, um, thank you. First and foremost, thank you so much for including me with this group. And I'll wait for my introduction from Michael and Chris. But. Um, what uh, shop.works printing is, is a conglomeration of 50 different stores or 50 different organizations changing the world. And one worker, one vote is one of them that you've talked about extensively. And um, 
that's probably the easiest way to get there is is to visit oneworkeronevote.org and the very clear link that will land you right on the book page right from the top menu so go into oneworkeronevote.org correct okay go into their webpage as opposed to your webpage and yeah okay and i see on the i'm on their webpage and at the top it says shop work for swag shop work for swag so i click on that okay now i got the book and a tote bag and a t-shirt right on okay so everyone you want to own your labor and rent your capital okay that's the motto for the book okay i've i've had the book in digital form and i want a copy of it purchase your copy of the book for $37.50 will do Another uh, obvious way to get there is to see the Everything Co-op Holiday Lift Mind section and find the link to the feature Humanity at Work and Life book. I like that way. Go to everything.coop, and somewhere in here there is a list. Or you hit everything.coop backslash list. Okay. Yep, I got it. Humanity, Life, and Works from CUNY. Click on that, and it takes you right to the work printing, and you can buy it there. Fantastic. Okay, Michael, you have any other things that you all have been working on? Yes, thank you, Vernon. And you can see that um, we're always trying to promote uh, the work site. Works is always trying to promote the One Worker, One Vote site and the Everything Co-op Christmas List site. So we're all in the business of promoting each other's site. And I think that's a good example of intercooperation, which is one of our principles. So what Chris didn't say was that she spearheaded a technical paper at the Syriac. The Syriac is this huge uh, social global social economy event. Um, I think their headquarters is in Liège, Belgium. Um, uh, um, but this was this event in July was the first time that a global social economy event was hosted by an Asian nation, being South Korea, and it was really well attended. And and so that was one thing. And then uh, Chris also uh, moderated uh, all the of our thirty eight contributors from uh, six countries, three continents. We have a number of them. I think five or six from from the CUNY the CUNY system in New York City. And so Chris organized an event at the end of July for all our CUNY authors, and we had a virtual uh, book reading event that went really well. Um, and it also was our prototype model for what we're taking around the country and around the world. And uh, we had the big event in, in October at CUNY Law School with Mondragon in the United Nations. Uh, th that was so exciting. Um, and then now, uh, for 2024, uh, we have uh, eight locations so far planned for similar uh, virtual book reading events in Boston, Montreal, Trenton, New Jersey, Seoul, South Korea, Denver, Colorado, Madrid, and uh, probably Western Mass. Kevin will have something to say about that. Maybe Oregon. So uh, each of these events require a lot of logistics and work and works as well as work. <laughs> uh, but we are... Uh, we are really looking forward to taking the show on the road. Fantastic. What kind of response did you do you get from the people in the audience about the book? 
I, I think uh, Chris can jump in here too, but I, for, it's really transformational. Um, at, at CUNY Law School, for example, um, we had uh, the, the, their, um, their law school student who heads up the law review, which is a very prestigious position in every single law school. And of course, the, the CUNY, CUNY Law School, I want to put a plug in for them. They are America's number one public, ser public service law firm. I mean, their, their students invariably go out into the arena uh, and and do social justice work, um, innovative social justice work. So the fact that we had the the law review student asking us to talk about uh, the work at one of their uh, shows that they're going to put on for their alumni and also for fellow students was a typical example. But uh, mostly it's other people going through the book and saying, well, here are all these examples of people doing things around the world. I want to do this in my neighborhood. Okay. Okay, that's what it's all about, getting other people into action. Yes, exactly. Okay. Chris, Chris, did you want to add to that? Just that it was really amazing for me to see the groundswell of interest reflected in, in the presentation of uh, the presence at the, at the meeting of elected officials and also diplomats in the room. You know, we're, we're just hitting... Uh, points of connection that that are just really uh, affirming of the importance of the book and, and what we were trying to accomplish with it. And I'd just like to say, Vernon, that, you know, Kevin is also a contributor to the book, but he also provided the cover art and he provided our swag shop. So uh, he has like a triple reason to be uh, on the show besides being a great guy. Okay, so we're going to take our next break. And when we come back, Kevin, I'd like to talk to you some about work and swag. I, when you say swag, I think about Obama's walking. He, they said he had swag in his walk. So what kind of swag are you talking about for promotions? And I can't thank Michael and Chris enough for the work that you did in producing this book. It's phenomenal with lots of information that can help people to get out and do what they need to do to start their own business. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. W-O-L-A-N, where information is power. The program is Everything Co-op. Uh, as I've said earlier, we've been on the air for 10 years. We're in our 11th year now. And National Co-op Bank has been our sponsor all of this time, our financial sponsor and our main cheerleader, helping us to understand the co-op world and um, introducing us to people to be on the show. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. They have just been a wonderful partner. So now we're going to go to Kevin O'Brien, who's going to talk to us about work, W-O-R-X, printing, and they are on the holiday list under M-I-N-D. Uh, it could be promotions also, what they're doing, as I've learned more about them. You can find out about them by going to workprinting Is that dot com? Dot co-op. Dot co-op. Yep. Oh, fantastic. So, Kevin, how did you come up with this business? 
Um, well, that's a very long story, Vernon. Um, I don't know that we have time today, but um, you, got, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> the short version is I, I came of age in, in my career in the apparel industry in the 90s during the battle over uh, NAFTA and um, was working with domestic apparel manufacturing. And as it uh, shut down, I didn't want to go. So I, I found a pathway to continue to make uh, merchandise here in the United States and very blessed to meet Ben Cohen, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, who had just sold his interest in his business and was interested in um, forming a, a Mondragon-inspired uh, worker cooperative, uh, union co-op. And uh, from 2001 to 2004, worked with him on that. Uh, it was a bit before its time. There wasn't the national infrastructure for helping cooperatives, as all of your earlier guests today uh, represent that infrastructure. And uh, it failed. I spent a, a decade in the wilderness um, working with some of that Burlington, Vermont crowd to, to try to continue the work as a, a traditional company, but was very blessed to meet Michael Peck um, when he was touring um, as a representative of Mondragon, uh, speaking at Harvard University about uh, their partnership with the United Steelworkers on bringing the union cooperative model uh, into a more formalized offering. And it inspired me to kind of dust off uh, my love and passion for the work. And um, we incorporated uh, works printing in 2014 with with Michael's help and um, yeah that's how that's how we got here the short version okay the fantastic so what does work printing do oh uh, we're primarily a, a merchandise printing company t-shirts uh, hats tote bags mugs etc um, but in this day and age you know, we're as much a, a fulfillment company as we are a printing company and in some ways become a, a financing partner, a fundraising partner. So we do a lot of bulk work. You know, we love when people need an order of hats or T-shirts for an event or, you know, whatever project they're working on. But uh, we also support about 200 or so e-commerce operations that are selling virtual representations of merchandise. And only after they sell a t-shirt or a hat or a mug, do we make that one item and ship that one item to the person who purchased it. Wow. Okay. You don't get economies of scale then. Printing a thousand of them would be cheaper than printing one, I would think. Yeah, I think that's always true um but i think there are economies of scale of our operation the the more volume we do the the lower our cost to do it becomes and it is it's almost a complete reversal of operations to make one item at a time but it's kind of what i was learning in the, in the late 90s was you know, just-in-time production, yeah. how, to, how to increase efficiencies to compete with lower-priced items. And, and we've never had to sacrifice our, our USA-made standards and, and our union-made options 
Um, so our, our particular e-commerce service offering has been uh, adopted by a, a really incredible cross-selection of, of clients. We really only work with 501c organizations, C3 nonprofits, C4 political uh, and C5 labor unions. And that's, uh, that's who we support. And really, you know, the, the two reasons people use merchandise are to raise awareness of their entity or the projects that they're working on or to raise funds for the organization of the project. And, and quite often those two things are intertwined. And, yep. Uh, yep. So one worker, one vote. We talked about it. It has a store on your webpage and it, you can go to one worker, uh, one vote dot org and shop works and you get, you can get a tote bag, a t-shirt or the book. That's the three offerings that they have. So why is this a swag or why is it a, what, what, what's the word? How does the word swag get involved in this? Yeah. So th there are really two ways that we support e-commerce operations. Um, there are, are, are groups who are large enough to own their own stores and operate their own stores. And we do, you know, major political candidates and, and a whole host of political parties and nonprofits and labor unions that way. But we've always had the mission of supporting smaller organizations who don't have the infrastructure or the resources to own and operate their own store. We also have Shop.Works Printing, which is uh, a place where any organization of any size that, you know, is working in the solidarity economy um, as a, a C3 organization, um, that they can have kind of a, a a small micro store and and we named these micro stores swag shops because i think you're right you know uh, swag is obama's walk swag is uh, that that thing that that you notice uh because it has a coolness factor or a coolness quotient to it and i think that's what we're trying to do you know we're trying to help our movement uh, increase its awareness and people will always make a, a charity purchase, you know, buy something from a group or organization because they want to support their makeup. But it's a whole lot more fun if you can create items uh, that, that have some swag to them that, that people want to wear, you know, that they want to come back and get more of. And well, Okay. I got it when you said cool. Okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So everything co-op would like to get a swag shop, and we've been looking at the tote bag, a T-shirt, and a mug. And you, I guess you have, that's the minimum you'd have to have. You can go with more things, umbrellas and other things. But if if we wanted one, what would we have to do to get, get it set up? Well, you know, the, the process is fairly simple. There's a, a form you fill out on our website that any organization um, – if they visit shop.works or if they visit worksprinting.coop can fill out because we're connected. And, and if there's anybody listening that's already connected to us, all you have to do is email us your interest and we walk you through the whole process. 
we take uh, your logo and, and we show you proofs of the items that you like in the shop. And then once you like the direction we've taken, then we add those uh, to your own shop and, and we give you a unique link that you can put on your website or you can put out on your social media. And, you know, you can use it either to simply raise awareness and that's a slightly lower price point. But what we do for many organizations is, is we add, you know, like a five or $10 donation to the price of the item and we donate that profit back to the organization for each sale. In the last minute, Kevin, what would you message would you like to leave people with? I think if you're in the movement, make a better world, and you belong to an organization who could benefit from those services, you know, creating branded merchandise certainly helps raise awareness of the organization, but it also raises the awareness of the collective movement trying to do that. So, um, yeah, we're here to help and. Thank you, Kevin. Happy to do so. Thank Thanks, Vernon. Thanks, everybody that's been on today. Listen, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively. News Talk 1450 WOLAM, where information is power.